0: hello welcome to the rooted souls podcast my name is becca spirit and i will be your hostess here i am offering you talks on spirituality and self-development that bring you back down to earth bridging the gap between ethereal ideas and mindful realism these talks illuminate the magic in the mundane and facilitate discernment in the far out for a life rooted in wisdom This podcast is for conscious seekers who are just opening up to spirituality and personal growth, or those of you who've been on that journey for a while, and you're realizing that things just are not what they seemed at first, or for those who are anywhere in between. I am so glad you're here. I invite you to either take a walk or sit down and relax with something nice and warm to drink, and just let this wash over you. Take what resonates, leave the rest, and just know that this is my gift to you. I hope that it serves you. I am so glad you're here, and I hope that you enjoy the show. Hello. Today, our talk is when unity consciousness is harmful and how we can repair it. I have with me today Asha D. Ramakrishna. She's both South Indian and Venezuelan and currently lives in occupied Nipmuc land, currently known as Harvard, Massachusetts, with her soulmate, two human daughters, and a 50-pound Portuguese water dog. She has authored the number one best-selling book, The Priestess Code, Awakening the Modern Woman, where moon and earth principles are revealed for a more organic and harmonious approach to life. With a background in molecular biology and business development, she breaks esoteric teachings into practical, logical approaches to living. Asha is a minister of the spiritual peacemaking, and some of the multiple philosophies she incorporates include feng shui, karma healing, and human design, just to name a few. She is the founder of the Dharma School, rooted teachings for legacy leaders, and is here today because we crossed orbits to co-create this special conversation. Thank you for joining me today. (laughs) Hello. So let's dig into this topic. When is unity consciousness harmful?
1: I think it unity consciousness is harmful when by us feeling as though we are at the top of our spiritual game. We are actually harming humans knowing or unknowingly you know I think that you know you and I chatted a little bit about this but I think that many of us who walk in this um, you know spiritual path or this consciousness path this awakening path hit this kind of ceiling of oh, wow, we are actually not separate from each other. We are actually super connected and we can feel that the tensions that we experience in the world are actually our own blindness, right, to each other. And the harmful part, like just to like get like really kind of ground it and make it super specific So we all went through what we went through in 2020. And specifically when Black Lives Matter um, was a big topic. Those of us who have an identity that we have experienced, like we have experienced a system of oppression in some way, shape or form, or come from other countries and firsthand see uh, what colonization has done to to our countries. We are not surprised by the reclamation of power by the Black community because they are the ones who have been oppressed the most. Mm-hmm. And what happened in our many, and I'm not saying all, but in many of these spiritual circles was that people couldn't understand that actually advocating, maybe even fighting for, maybe even um, having really, really comfortable, uncomfortable conversations for black liberation how that could be spiritual, mm-hmm. like I can't tell. Like I was asked just you know to come speak in some of the communities that I'm, um, that I've been a part of for a long time, and I'm not I'm not a um, anti-racist educator by any means, but I was asked to just speak to my experience as a brown woman in spiritual circles, and much of what I got back is but all lives matter. And like those of us who like are, are not, um, you know, like we get how like all lives matter from like people who are uh, not progressive, not liberal, like we're like, okay, we get what you mean by all lives matter. (laughs) Um, but when we're talking to like our liberal friends Mm -hmm. and our progressive friends and, you know, you and I live in the East coast and, you know, and we're in these circles where we think we're vibing in the same way with these people. And then they say something like that. And you're like, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. We think when we say that, we actually think that we're saying the most um, awakened thing. Mm. We actually think that we are um, in our whiteness consciousness. We think that we are evolving the conversation, evolving the rhetoric and evolving the language um, and the frequency or what have you. But in fact, we are not acknowledging people's lived experience. Absolutely. And we are not acknowledgement, acknowledging the actual world that we live in. And can we do both? Mm. Like, can we both acknowledge the world we live in and the system that we all operate in and also, um, you know, connect ourselves to possibilities, connect ourselves to um, creating liberation for all humans, most specifically to black liberation, because what we don't understand actually is that when we liberate a trans black human, we liberate all of us. Absolutely. If a trans black human is able To have the same level of access as those of us who have whatever forms of privilege. Then we know we are liberating all humans. And then I will say, we finally understand what it means to be practically speaking and then the material plane to be one.
0: I love that. Yeah, unity consciousness is actually being aware of everything going on. It's not, we are all one mind. And I think that's where the misinterpretation and the oblivious experiences with that title phrase um, unfolds. And, you know, you and I had chatted and I've chatted with a lot of people about the toxic positivity and the new age movement And this idea that you just have to, you know, orient your mindset and, you know, and have a growth mindset and a positive mindset, and that we do not have equal resources. We can't just wish ourselves into abundance. And um, by, you know, looking down on other people who haven't achieved financial success or health success or social status as uh, they're not woke enough or they're not ascending enough is just ignorant and inaccurate. And, um, you know, what is the phrase in the military? Like no, no man left behind. It's just how can unity consciousness just involve those who are smiling and happy when we had this human experience and a world that has a lot of pain and suffering and inequality. Yeah.
1: You know, and I, I, I don't think that being positive and working on our mindset and such things are, are bad. I think, um, yeah, I think that that has a a place and a value. Um, Absolutely. Yep. And, and the other thing, like I, 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 I tell my daughter um, this all the time, you know, when she's kind of like beating on herself um, because she's. Um, maybe experiencing anxiety or like feeling down or whatever. And I was like, you know, I, I, I think that we have this way of looking at our human experience as if we have this way of looking at our human experience as if we are not doing well and if we're not positive, then there's something wrong with us. And one of the things that I have learned is that in indigenous communities, um, when indigenous communities are allowed to be fully themselves and practice and they're allowed to be held by the earth and provisioned for, there is this philosophy around those moments in our lives when we aren't feeling amazing. And that these are actually windows into listening to the soul. That actually those moments of feeling disconnected, sad, um, not positive, to use those words. It's actually a greater inquiry that our system is asking of us. And if we suppress that, if we don't listen to that part of ourselves, we're actually doing a disservice to ourselves.
0: I agree. And Sabanfu Somay of the Dagara tribe, are you familiar with her? She died a few years ago, but I was lucky enough to uh, go through a few grief ceremonies with her Um, their tribe in Africa um, hosts community rituals for grief so that everyone can grieve together. And that when one person is grieving, if there isn't an outlet or a witnessing in the community, it it infects everyone, whether they're aware of it or not. So um, having these spaces to grieve and be witnessed and to be held and honored Uh, is so important for the health of the community. And so I see this topic really about the health of the community. And um, you said, you know, if one um, person is lifted up, it impacts all of us. And that truly is the, the situation that this unity consciousness is that we all are connected. And if we are ignoring parts of ourselves, well, we know what that does to the psyche and to the body. So, you know, just looking at ways to integrate. So, you know, you brought up a good um, example with Black Lives Matter. What do you see as ways that we can start to heal these blind spots? Um, first, I wanna
1: go back to something that you said because you spoke about the health of the community how the, the health of the individual affects the health of the community. And I do believe that we've forgotten about that. Um, I, I do believe, especially in Western culture, in um, you know full-on forced um, capitalism, and I'm not against capitalism, I'm just pointing out the, the extreme. We have mostly focused on the individual, and forgotten that we we can affect and impact the community. And, and that's kind of a little bit like I'm kind of like teasing us into, um, you know, kind of talking a little bit about, oh, well, what happens after we are all one? What happens when we've done uh, you know, hung out in meditation and practically levitated with our crystals, and have and are completely filled with cacao ceremony or whatever it is that we do that we adore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, we'll we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but to to answer your question, aside from the fact of like, let's remember that in fact we are we are community beings versus. I'm just in it for myself. And, and, you know, those of us who live in in the Western world definitely hold attention between those two things, because the reality of the system is that, yeah, you kind of got to take care of your own stuff, Mm -hmm. right? You kind of have to like bring in the money to pay for the things and you got to like have your positive mindset and you got to like, um, visualize where you want to be. You got to do your own homework, like all those things. And also, um, how do, how can those of us who have overcome survival, right? Like if you and I are beyond just survival and we're like, okay, we got things and we got, we're good. Like we got, we got sanctuary. We got a roof. We got, we got a roof of our heads. We got a warm bed. We got heat because we live in the cold, um, you know, food. We're in safety in our homes, in all the ways. Okay, now can I open up the window and start thinking about how does the air, my air that I'm breathing in and out actually affect my environment? And I'm not just talking about the earth. I'm also talking about the people that are our neighbors and and the people that um that we that we affect. So that that's important. I love that and, metaphor. <laughs> and then and then the second part which I think mostly those of us who are in like liberal, progressive, ultra spiritual spaces forget is that we also, um, hold whiteness consciousness Mm -hmm. because it's the epigenetic program that we have all received in some way, shape or form, right? Like we have in, um, not that I'm going to talk too much about it here, but like in our own, um, Black and brown communities, I, mean, I can speak to the brown community, um, both Venezuelan and Indian, there is colorism between in within the community. So what what is that? You know, that is whiteness consciousness. So it's infiltrates every aspect of our lives. You know, I always laugh when like Americans travel, to developing countries and they're like let me take care of the the cats and the dogs and i'm like i'm all about compassion for the cats and the dogs but can we actually take a look at the impact of colonization and your consumerism actually has on the lives of the humans here and by the way you're not going to fix this only by donating money to an ngo yep yep so we have to take ownership of that uncomfortable thing of looking at ourselves, mm, and that's do, it. Yeah, and doing that inner work, like real investing, just like you invest in the spiritual mentors, just like you invent, invest in what the crystals or what have you. Um, invest in the education to walk yourself through that super messy deconstructing of our whiteness consciousness
0: this reminds me and I don't want to take us too much on a tangent but I trust that we'll move back is the conversation of you know and I can relate being a highly sensitive person not wanting to watch the news, not wanting to read the news and the impact that has um, to pull us away, you know, as as we need more loving kindness in the world, as an individual who's highly sensitive, has a big heart to turn their eyes away from the truth of the world because it hurts too much is then contributing to that perpetuating. And so I I feel an overlap with this topic because um, I hear so many people say, oh, you know, turn off the news, it's toxic. And yes, there is a um, spectrum of what's really happening and what the news shows us, but there is true journalism. And it's important to stay informed, in my humble opinion. And I can relate to needing balance that I need to stop, step back for a couple days and do some self-care and then go read the news again. And so this idea of being willing to invest in the education, being willing to invest in knowing what's going on and then yes that's part of the developing of the self the maturing of the self and being a responsible and um, impactful citizen.
1: Yeah it's such a complex dance of taking care of ourselves protecting our peace and also being informed right and I always ask myself this question of like for me I don't know if it has to do with growing up in another country that to me, it's like, if you're not actually paying attention to what's happening in the world, like, are you even a part of this? Like what's happening here? Because you can also like poke at that and say like, Oh, in many ways it's a, it it, it is um an answer of privilege, right? You either, you either, like, can't afford, like, it doesn't even affect you, doesn't even affect your family to not know what's going on in the news. Like, that's the level of privilege you have. And you can also go to the person who is co- continuously being traumatized by, by the news and the harm being done. Right. And so, that person, if we're specifically speaking to Black communities, I think that the rest of us deserve—not just deserve—isn't the right word. The the rest of us, like I would ask the rest of us to like actually protect the peace of the black community.
0: We have a responsibility, a human yeah. responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Let's civic, protect civic them. Civic duty. Civic duty. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let's protect them, and then we, depending on our level of privilege and access. And some of it can be being super sensitive. Okay. Well, if you're super sensitive and somebody who has your same identity is actually not, um, I would say, and I'm sensitive also. So I always, I'm in that dance. Um, I'm in that dance all the time. And also, what I always tell people is it's one of the principles in, in the book it's your seasonal being accepted. And part of that is connecting to what season am I in? Am I in the season where I am fully resourced, feeling amazing? I have all the things that I need. I'm hydrated. I'm eating well. I'm moving my body. I got, you know, I'm, I am in overflow when I'm in that place of overflow. That's when I can like tune in and look a little more, and be informed a little more, and then, like, what am I going to do with that information? Also, am I going to take that information in and feel shitty about myself? Like, is this a is this a guilt game that I'm playing with myself, or is this actually compassion and action that I want to um, stir within me? Right. So I, yeah, I get it. We each have to gauge where we're at. I am just not an advocate of turning it all off because when we turn it all off we become disconnected if we go back to this notion of you know that we get to learn from indigenous communities that they're about the community if we just have one of the members the most the member in the community that has it the best for whatever reason right they everyone adores them they other people hunt for them other people like um, take care of them, take care of their children, and that person is like, I'm in my bliss, and and I'm eating every day. But meanwhile, another community member or many, a whole subset of the community, is not able to eat the meat from the hunt for whatever reason. Um, if they are not able to have shelter during rain or snow. I think we can, we can kind of get the vibe of this. It's like, what's that person doing exactly? Like, they're just going to watch people die. They're just going to watch people starve. And that is honestly, like, I don't want to be harsh with all of us, but in many ways, it's what we do. That's why it's easier for somebody to go to a developing country and be like, oh, I care about the cats and dogs. Like, have you taken a look at where your clothes are being made? And- uh-huh. What's that doing to this land and Uh what that means for the minimum wage in this country? If there is such a thing as minimum wage, so big. Yeah. And I can see people being like, oh my God, it's so negative. I can't. (laughs) And like, I, I understand that. Yeah. But how I just don't see how unity and oneness can be about ignoring. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And 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 maybe this is the the right place to kind of start chatting a little bit about like, well, what's it like why do we feel that way? Like why do we feel this like interconnectedness and heart expansiveness and all of that and like if you're telling me about people dying of hunger or dying of being cold or not getting the jobs that they deserve because of how they look, um is that like not? Is that bringing us all down if we start if we bring our focus there versus our focus on like let's focus on how we can all be healed? I I think that both can be true and and so let's talk about that. Let's talk about like what happens in human consciousness. So one of the ways that I've been able to understand humans, <laughs> including myself is through this um, theory, um, spiral dynamics or integral theory. And this is actually, and this is where, you know, we, like, I always think of like, oh, these things that have gotten to be so popular, but that are professed and um, um, perpetuated by white men. What's that about? Well, actually, they take it from indigenous cultures, like, just so we all know. (laughs) Um, um, right. Take a look at yoga. Um, but this was actually concepts that, um, were taken from, um, Arubindu who who is, um, was a a spiritual teacher in India and there's a whole, um, community and, and apparently, uh, Ken Wilbert, um, took these, concepts and um, and and other people um, Edward Beck and Christopher Cohen took these from Aurobindo in India and popularized it and created just really um, simple ways or or ways that western culture could kind of understand what happens to the evolution of humans right so what when you look at you can kind of equate the development of a person from birth to, you know, 50, 60 years old in these levels. And also you can see the parallels of what happens in our own spirituality. So the first level is um, like survival, right? Like someone who is surviving a homeless person, I mean, like maybe they can have a a very, um mind expanding experience because you know for for all the things, but but they're also in survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, you're not going to be able to operate with ethics necessarily because you're surviving. Like, you know, like if you if you are a parent and you know that part of your job is to feed your children, you're going to do whatever job so that you can feed your children. Mm-hmm. Second level, is um, we'll, we'll call, we'll name them by, by colors, just so to kind of stick to the spiral dynamics thing. So beige is survival. Purple is all about um, kind of like tribalism about animism. If you know animism as a philosophy um, of spirituality, it's like, it's more of like every human, every living thing has a spirit, the trees have spirits, Um, the rocks, the mycelia, we do like, we're all in this like super interconnected thing, but that's very um, connected to what's alive. Red consciousness is about the ego. It's like when we're all okay, we're interconnected, the trees have a spirit, I have a spirit, but we move into red and we think more like, yeah, all that is true. But also I'm a steward of the trees. Like I seem to have a highly developed brain compared to other mammals. So it must be that it's my responsibility. And so like, I'm gonna, it's like very egoistic, I guess you could say, you know, like lowest expression of egoistic is our the prime example of the ex president, right? <laughs> yeah. um, very red consciousness. And then we move into this place of, oh, it's actually about order and right and wrong. So we think of like religion, right? Religion as a way to keep order, as a way to like, these are the things you do and these are the things you don't do. And if you don't fall within this, then you can't be here. Like, so religion can feel very like black and white like that, right? And then when we, many of us, right, have had that experience of religion and then we hit this place of like, wait a second, um, I actually do want to focus on my own individualism. I want to look at science. I want to explore. I don't want to have blind faith, like the church. I want to explore science. I want to focus on myself. And then this is like very like wall street kind of energy, right? Where you start like acquiring for yourself. And then when you get past that, you are in that, like, Ooh, I've had my awakening. My more subtle bodies are awakened. I understand that Walt, Wall Street or money is not the answer. There's more to life. I start seeing one, one, one. I start, <laughs> <laughs> I start seeing, you know, the, the crystals as like, there's something here. I don't know what it is, but I'm vibing with this. We start meditating. We start thinking about the earth. And then this is where we hit this like oneness thing. Like this is the top. Mm -hmm. And what happens when we're crawling up these different levels of development is that we actually reject the step before us, like that previous to us. And then the step like in front of us, right? So like our wall street person is going to say, I, I am not into religion. And they're also going to say this, like all crystal thing is a bunch of BS, right? Or I'm just putting trivial examples, but we're always going to be like, it's like kids, right? Like they're like, I don't want to be like you. I want to be my own person. I don't, you know, there's, there's, there's this tension and really what we don't, and I know this can be a little like, what is she talking about? Where is this going? Um, do I need to know all this? You don't need to know all this, but what you need, what I want you to hear is that that is actually level one of consciousness. And there are three just to say levels whatever it's spiral it's all a spiral it's never like we're going up an elevator but for the for the sake of the examples the next level of consciousness is actually about integrating all of them it's about integrating the survival it's about our survival needs our animalistic needs which are there um it's about integrating recognizing spirit in everything alive it's about recognizing that we have an ego healthy ego it's about recognizing like code of ethics oh there's a way that we ought to behave in community it's it's not a free-for-all um the science um and then that that oneness beautiful piece it's about incorporating all of them and what level two to call it that is really focused on is integrating all of them, but also w- how do we impact community? How do we impact the whole by integrating all these pieces?
0: Well, I see that as spiritual maturity and, uh, you know, back to that civic duty. Like, what are we here for? Like we are, what's the word? Um, tribal. We are a uh, herd beings right like we are meant to be in connection and integrating all of that is in my mind spiritual maturity it's uh refining and um coming of age
1: yeah and i guess maybe part of it too is like i like to talk about this so that people can just like even recognize plant the seed open the door to the fact that oh we are actually not at the top of our spiritual game when we are in a state of bliss, um, that med- it's, you know, navel gazing all day long. Yeah. Um, like we're actually not, there's actually more to it. Um, so maybe it's like my own way of teasing people into or seducing people into, um, <laughs> considering that
0: there's more. So I'm just, uh, reflecting back on, uh, the last time we spoke talking about, are we, in our choices, in our um, practices, are we perpetuating blindness or true awakening? And I think, you know, what you were just sharing was like, do you have blinders on? Are you stewing in one aspect of your humanness and spirituality? Or are you integrating all of it? And it takes time to integrate, right? And just with, I don't, I'm not an expert in childhood development, but there are stages, right? Like a child, a six-year-old isn't Capable of considering others um, and their emotional well-being, so there, you know, it's not like if you're in one space you're doing it wrong. Like there are levels of development, but it it for a healthy community and a healthy adult, you really do need to move through the spiral and integrate so that you have a a richness of presence. And I think maybe we could pivot into the the um, conversation of lineage, right? Like where did this whiteness come from? Um, where did this new age spirituality come from and why is it so blind to the lineage and, and how is that kind of keeping us away from the true richness of it because it's just kind of a, a watered down cliff notes of what's really available to us
1: the truth is that colonization has broken the ties with our ancient cultures, right, throughout Europe, throughout the Americas, throughout the whole world. And by doing that, they've taken, they've cut us at the feet. And what happens today is that the cultures who have kept the teachings alive are now the ones that are educating the rest, and part of what is lost in that education is that it maybe it needed to happen that way. I don't know, but we have a we have an opportunity to correct this wrong. I think um, in that disseminating of the richness of these spiritual traditions many things have been lost in translation, right? Like, how do we go from eight limbs of yoga or tantra to um, neo-tantra to like, um, you know, exercise, Baskin-Robin yoga? Not to say like, there's anything wrong with it. Like I, I'm I, you know, well, I, I don't go to yoga classes anymore. Um, I'm very deliberate about who I allow to Create that space for me. Um, Many things have been lost in translation. So, what do we do with that? Like, what do we do with that? I think that our responsibility, our civic duty, to use your words, is to say, All right, I'm really curious about this. This has really helped me. How do I learn from the correct lineage holders? of each of these teachings and how do I invest in them? And if I'm already well-versed or learned in these things, and I'm making money from these these spiritual traditions that don't come from my peoples, um, then how do I create a regenerative financial cycle? with these cultures, like literally, if you're selling, like, let's just put it blunt, like pl- bluntly, if you're selling malas, are you giving money to temples in India? And if not, here's an invitation to do so. And, you know, and I think also, like, let's have compassion for that. We're all, we're all been cut at the ankles. Like we,
0: yeah, we have. We're all all unrooted.
1: All of us. If we're all unrooted and we're just really trying to get, crawl our way back to our own roots, to our own sense of connection. And these teachings have helped us. How do we move into really appreciating these roots that have helped these lineages that have helped us and not perpetuate more,
0: more harm? And I see the threshold here from you know the title of this conversation was you know the wound right to how do we heal it and I think the threshold is kindness, compassion, curiosity, and willingness. And so, beginning to reeducate ourselves and get our feet back on the earth, get our feet back to our roots. And for me, you know, I grew up with white skin. I still have it. Mm -hmm. Summertime, I. Him pretty well but I I have Jewish lineage on on like all my blood all the way back is Jewish lineage and you know my mom was born during the war in Europe and was born while her parents were fleeing to the Germans it's very much in my DNA mm-hmm. and for some reason or another karma or coincidence I have experienced more anti-semitism than any other you know Jewish American I know and whether it's I you know it was part of my purpose like to integrate that so that I had compassion for others who knows how it happened or where I ended up in the country and more anti-semitic areas but I had a level of awareness that I can hide it you know I can turn it off and on I can not tell but people I'm Jewish you know usually it's only Jews who can really tell I've found but as soon as I say something then then I get that treatment and so um I, when Black Lives Matter, and I'm getting a little off track here, unfolded um, because of my early actually childhood with having a best friend who was Black and then turning away from me because I was white, I learned really young from the opposite perspective and started asking these questions, right? Like, why is this the case? And then in high school, took it upon myself to learn about the civil rights movement and really kind of dive into social justice. But it was because of that curiosity. You know, and and because of, you know, my education, I was able, and, and upbringing, I was able to develop compassion, curiosity, get educated, and then still, you know, being unrooted in this, in this system, of course, at through osmosis, I'm still racist. Like there, there is an untangling, no matter how kind you are, how compassionate you are, how willing you are there are steps to be taken we do have to educate ourselves and practice and communicate with others and be part of the fabric right like even if I know this stuff it's not enough like it, it really is a community effort and so staying in contact with each other um, asking questions um, bridging the gap between different communities and I expect it to be a lifelong process like I don't like this isn't going to disappear in our lifetime um, but there's a momentum that we have access to that we can perpetuate and I love that you know I was able to share what land you're living on you know that's one ask, one little thing we can do is start to educate ourselves of what land we live on um, what songs are we singing in circle what you know why do people why do white people love sage like what is this stuff and you know, really starting to look at the lineage, how does it impact the environment? How does it impact our communities? I love that invitation you uh, offered with the mala. I don't sell them, so it hadn't crossed my mind, but these, it isn't natural to think of these things. We actually have to take action and effort to find out about the, the blind spots. We don't just find, you know, it's not organic it takes effort. And I think that that, you know, one of the invitations from this show today is where can you start making effort and um, doing your part to re-educate yourself?
1: Yeah. And I think really investing in that. I I really am such a big advocate on investing in that. If you invest in other areas of your life for your own personal development, this will this will change your life. It will change your relationships to yourself, to your own spirituality, and even to your family. You know, there's one little thing that I just want to, like, um, poke my head in of something that you said. Please, that I just want to be really, really super clear on, is the this thing because I've had it come up in in other spaces where people and I I'm not saying you said this, but the the there is no reverse racism that we do that there there is that's not a thing that the thing is actually when someone of color rejects being in community with a person that's white it's really a stance on
0: safety so so much reverence for that, right? Like you were talking about the, you didn't use the hierarchy of needs, but safety at the animal body is the first priority. And, you know, we can't begin to understand what other people have gone through when it comes down to that. I mean, we can have compassion and have an idea, but I will never know what it feels like to be Black 24 hours a day. Actually, but you know what? You will know what it feels
1: like to be around anti-Semitic. Yes. People. I do know. So Mm -hmm. you do have a a, a doorway to understanding what that, I'm I'm not saying you have the lived experience and that, that like gives you like green light to like get it, but we all, and and I think this is where, where it gets tricky. Right. It's like, you know, I've had people that I know who um, kept saying like, well, I was poor, right. You know, white people who are saying like, but I was poor and I'm like, okay. So instead of us being defensive about the ways in which the system didn't work for us, can we look at it as like, Oh, I was poor and I can only imagine if I was poor and I was a Brown person. Like we were just watching this um, documentary on Cuba. This is my partner. Um, did his thesis on Cuba. And, oh my God, I don't know why I don't know these things, but it just like, I mean, I'm from Latin America. Of course, these things are happening. Of course, like even, you know, when I left Venezuela, these things are happening, but you you don't, you don't, you can't hyper-focus sometimes on, the system of oppression and still try to thrive. Like sometimes, you know, like for those of us who are like black and brown, sometimes we've got to put blinders on and like, just like keep moving forward, right? Like all those spiritual tools of like, stay positive, uh, visualize what you want. Like that's where we're at because if we stop to think way too much on how messed up it all is and how there's hurdle upon hurdle in front of us, We will never get anywhere and be super depressed. But anyway, back to the Cuba thing. They were talking about how when um, Cuba moved from being a colony of Spain to being liberated essentially by the U.S., for the U.S., um, all the things that allowed for commerce to evolve in Cuba were only being given opportunities to people who were white. And so when you look at Cuban wealth, Mm. you really are looking at white Cuban wealth. And we could get into a political conversation around that, (laughs) Florida, um, but we won't. (laughs) Kind of bringing it back to where I took us on a tangent, but bringing it back is that we can all see how harm can happen to humans. And if we can step off our defensiveness for just a moment and actually looked at our hardship and our human experiences as doorways, I keep using this word doorway, to understanding how somebody who whose entire race is being oppressed No matter what country you're in, then maybe we can, we can understand how, how we've gotten to where we've gotten. I'll give you two really amazing resources that I love. Great. Um, (laughs) One is um, if you haven't read, or if your people haven't read James Baldwin, I highly recommend This is poetry, poetry, like he wastes no words and transforms the heart. And then another, like more modern, I'll say resource is Trudy LeBron. Um, She has a book, um, I think it's called anti-racist business or something like that. And then another uh, educator is um, Weez Duran. And those are the two people who have been in community with um, and invested
0: in and um, like transformed my life with. Thank you for sharing that. I'll definitely find those and link them in the episode description. I think where I wanna end is that, um, you know, this idea of overflow, like you do matter, you as an individual do matter, and we do have to take care of ourselves, like put our oxygen mask on first, then um, re-educate ourselves and take action, appropriate action. So this isn't about if you're not there yet, like you're screwing up society or you're doing it wrong, but just opening up a conversation of, um, you know, when you are overflowing, when you are uh, resourced, when you do have your needs met, Um, taking some responsibility because it isn't like what you were just sharing about you know if you're on overdrive with making sure that your safety needs are met that you should be out there you know picketing or taking massive social action like you do matter your your well-being does matter and uh, we do have to make sure that we are all resourced and so part of this conversation is um just having kind of a roadmap right? Like how, like what's really going on, where are we at and how can we have a vision for repair?
1: Yeah. A vision for repair. I really, really like that. Um, and, and, and to kind of come back to, you know, those who are listening and feeling like, you know, can I be spiritual and also, cause I think that people feel like they're, they're, they're decreasing their vibration, mm-hmm. if they're focused in on the problems of the world. Um, I really, I a lot. right? Like, I really feel that we can be both. Yes. I really, really feel that. I, I mean, I can tell you, I, um, you know, thank the universe um, that I'm, we are so fortunate. We are thriving, you know, would capitalism make me think that I could be doing more and whatever. Yeah, of course. Totally. I'm in, I'm in it too. Right. And also we are thriving and also our eyes are fully open and we create the spaces as a family where we can contribute in ways that make the world better. And it's individual for each of us. It's just individual for each of us. And, and to me, I can't imagine something more spiritual than creating from a regenerative place for myself and for whomever it is that I like my piece of, you know, the pie of life where I want to contribute and impact.
0: That's so beautiful. And as you share that, I just had this vision of this tapestry, right? Like of of a patchwork quilt that the diverse, the beauty of this universe is diversity. And so there's no one way to show up, right? It's, it is about your own journey. And that's what's so beautiful. And that's what makes our community so rich. It's just that shared vision, right, of true unity, of um, true coming together and true heart expansion. So my goodness, you had such a profound statement. And I just put a little cute blanket. of No, heart. I, l- I <laughs> love what
1: you said. And I'll just also like the visual that I got when you were talking is I have this experience when I was in India to really to to learn from scientists on what actually biodiversity in um, in crops is yes. looks like. And I, like the visual I got when you were talking was like, oh, biodiversity of crops versus like monocrop
0: Yes. and how
1: monocrops just like deplete the soil and all of that. And so, you know, like maybe there's something there of like, okay, there is richness. Okay. One other thing I'll say around that, like, I just got to say this because one of the pieces that has been super important in all the communities that I'm a part of curating has been that we actually make by having people of different backgrounds, as long as we can actually hold safety, safe space for people who we don't understand their, you know, like what, what their needs are and what safety is for them, as long as we can hold all the, uh, hold all of that. The richness of community allows for even the spiritual conversations to be more rich,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Mm-hmm. When, we, and when we are just learning in white spaces from white teachers, we are only really hearing one perspective. We're only hearing one perspective. When we actually hear from different perspectives it's just richer. And I started this, I was, I was, um, I've been sharing this, that I started incorporating um, equity seats into my programs or, or reparation seats um, for, for black and indigenous people of color. And at first I had like whiteness consciousness around it. I was like, well, I'm doing, I'm doing my part. I'm creating spaces, you know, where people can come and they don't have to pay as much. And I'm creating these reparation seats and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, kind of like a little bit of that person that goes to another country and is like, I'm going to give to charity. Like I had a little bit of that. And what started happening, actually, was that we all have to start wherever it is that we are. Right. So that's where I started. And now we still have spaces Of the same flavor. But what's starting to happen. Is that the people that I. That are orbiting. Into my spaces. Are people that bring this. Richness. That I was like. Oh my god. You're a fucking sage. And. Because you couldn't afford. The seat we wouldn't have been able to receive your sage wisdom so now my whole perspective around this is like uh, no this is not about charity work this is not about doing the right thing even if i'm you know not not um telling everyone about what i'm doing this is actually about believing that by me creating these access points We are going to make it way more spiritual, way more rooted, way more grounded, way more delicious for the rest of us because we're creating these spaces. And that's kind of like a shift that I'd love for all of us to like explore, like, how can I get there? Right. And like, I'm sure like next year it'll be like a whole other level that opens up because I've been in this commitment to how do I actually create equity as long as I can hold space for this person, right? Like I'm not gonna bring people in all willy nilly if I can't really hold space for them.
0: Well, and Allison Jones and I did a show on money and we talked about how it's not all just cash, right? It's like, what is the exchange? Where is the richness? What What is true abundance, time, resources, experience? You know, and so people showing up and offering their richness like you got paid right like (laughs) and um holding the intention I mean this is a spiritual podcast like holding the intention has power so and may this be a prayer may this show be a prayer for what's possible and that you and I came into orbit because we both have this calling and how interesting is that and so having the faith, having the trust, having the intention, having the willingness and um, the receptivity, just holding that question. Like, how do we make this better? Make me a vessel Mm -hmm. for healing and show me who I can speak to, where I can show up, what ears I can land on and, and move forward. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you for this conversation. I'm so excited to know you and see what other conversations come up and what healing we can co-create and be a portal for. So thank you, Asha, so much for showing up with your depth of wisdom to share with me and my audience today. Thank you for allowing and for seeing me. I do. I really do. I'm in awe. I'll see you next time.
1: Okay. Bye. Bye.
0: Okay. Thank you for listening and becoming part of this community. If you love this episode, I invite you to subscribe, share with someone you think would appreciate it, or leave a review. This helps me to learn what resonates with you so I can deliver more of what you want and reach more people who can benefit from this content. If you want to reach me, please feel free to reach out on my website, www.bekkaspirit.com. I would love to hear from you, get any feedback and know what's on your mind. Until next time, take great care.